Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing the Lagan Valley area filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Well, like I, uh, like I said at the beginning, if we haven't met before, uh, my name's Andy and um, we have 12 baptisms to do tonight, so I'm not going to take uh, too long. I'm also not going to take uh, too much time to actually talk about uh, baptism itself. I, I want to um, go somewhere else for just a couple of minutes. But um, th- this morning, we reflected on the question, what stories inform your life? And the reality that uh, for all of us, we grow up around stories. And um, I'm already getting stick for sharing a story of my six-year-old self mooning the postman and the next-door neighbor. Um, This morning, if you weren't here, you can catch that on the podcast, but the reality is um, that we're all informed by stories. We grow up around stories and they speak for better or for worse to who we are. I want to take a couple of minutes this morning and just take that a little bit further and talk a little bit about the value system that we live under or around. Where do our values come from? What gives us value and where does that come from? I wonder if you ever had a moment where... uh, you kind of got your values a bit wrong, where you maybe said or did something that you kind of wished you could take back. I had to get uh, Jess, our lovely children's pastor, and uh, my children's uh, nanny to take my boys out for this story because it wouldn't be helpful for them to hear it. But last year, they were in P1, and uh, they came home from school, and one of them, I'll not tell you which, but one of them it was quite used to being on the thinking chair. And uh, the other one had never been on the thinking chair. And so we're sitting having dinner, and I said, well, boys, how was school today? And the one who never got on the thinking chair said, went in the thinking chair today, Dad. And uh, I said, why, why did you go in the thinking chair today? And he said, punch somebody. And <laughs> which is very not like him. And I said, you punch somebody? And he said, yeah, so did the other one. And uh, being the other, he said his name. I'm working really hard at not giving away who's who here, right? He said, so did the other one. And I said, did you punch somebody today too? He went, yeah, punch somebody. I said, who did you punch? Bear in mind there were P1, said P5. And uh, I said, the pair of you punched the P5? And they said, yeah, Joshua did too. I said, wait, three of you punched a P5 today? Yeah. All at the same time? Yeah. I said, did he cry? And they went, a little bit. And uh, I said, boys, it's really important that you don't punch people who are bigger than you. At which point... My wife said, boys, it's really important that you don't punch people that are smaller than you. At which point, this is a totally true story, our six-year-old daughter said, boys, I think what mommy and daddy mean to say is you shouldn't punch people. <laughs> and we went, yes. Do, do, what, the, do what the six-year-old says. Um, it was a moment where both of us went, oh, we need to do some work on how we communicate what we value. And uh, the reality is, when I observe my life and the world around us, there are some pretty mad things going on that scream at us for our attention and that fill us with empty promises that if somehow we could achieve or attain them, we would get value. That if somehow you could get the right badge on your car, then life would be a bit more meaningful. Or somehow, if you could convince your parents to fork out all that cash to get that latest piece of tech, then your life would be more meaningful. I want to take us tonight, just for a couple of minutes, into Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3. It's the baptism of Jesus. 
It says this, Matthew 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me. Jesus answered him, let it be be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. What I find really interesting about this particular text is up until this moment, Jesus hasn't done anything. Like this is kind of the chronology of Matthew really goes um, birth, well, ton of genealogies, birth, bit more kind of escaping, and then this moment. Like he, he hasn't produced anything out of his life. And he comes up out of the waters of baptism and God speaks from heaven and said, that's my boy and I really love him. It's the kingdom of God and the atmosphere that surrounds God. We find some values that clash with the ones that we live with and wrestle with every single day. See, our world tells us that if we're going to have value, then we need to add value. That you get value based on how valuable your contribution is. And yet here, the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, before he has accomplished anything, God says he's already accomplished everything. He's already the object of God's affection and acceptance and love. He hasn't done any work yet. Many of you have heard me share about my grandfather whenever I was growing up. Anytime we were on the farm, he used to look at me and say, don't just stand there with your arms the same length. Like, I remember being five, being like, is this okay? (laughs) Be useful. Stop standing there. And I, I think for many of us, it's the value system that we live under and around that so long as we're making contribution, we have value. Do you ever have any of those people that come to your house that find it impossible to sit down? Can I do anything? Can I help? No, no, just, just sit there. Oh, come on, let me do something. I need, need to do something. No, no, you're fine. Sit there. No, no, really. Like, I'd, I'd, love to, I'd love to do something. And then eventually the conversation ends and they just start doing something. You know, they just pick up, find a tea towel and start doing some dishes or start clearing up and... You know, we find it really, really difficult to embrace the truth that we might have value before we do anything. I wonder how many of us are wasting our time trying to earn something that we already have freely. God's love, his affection, his acceptance, not because of how hard to try or how good you are, but because you're his. Whenever I became a parent, a whole new world of this opened up to me where um, 
those had to resist all temptation while they're looking into the baptism tank earlier during worship, not to just knock them in, but um, <laughs> it's, it's, quite, it's quite incredible to me as a deeply flawed man how impossible it is for them to lose my affection. I mean, it's definitely possible for them to make me lose lots of other things. And yet we find ourselves every single night that I'm at home and I'm putting them to bed, tucking them in, praying for them, and whispering in their ear how they can never, ever, ever do anything that's going to make me love them any less. That's me, a pretty, well, I'm trying hard, but often poor attempts at a human. Let alone Almighty God, the most perfect Father. And this is the thought I want to challenge us with tonight. What if you were able to live and work from a place of acceptance, not for acceptance? What if your entire life was able to flow out of a place of deep acceptance with God? I wonder what that would do to your stress levels or your anxiety levels. I wonder what that would do to your self-esteem. I wonder what that would do to your sense of self-worth. The reality is this text, I find it so provocative that before Jesus does anything, God says, that's the one I really love. And I think this is so important for us to embrace tonight. That before we do anything, God says, I love you. Like before you even attempt to maybe try and clean your life up or sort out some mess or some problem, before you do any of that, God speaks through it all and says, you are the one that I love. That on this Easter Sunday, we remember the story of what it cost him and what he was willing to pay before you had any thought of trying to connect with him. What if? What if you could live and work from acceptance and not for it? I want to speak um, directly to the 12 people scattered throughout the room for a second who are going to get baptized tonight. And what an incredible moment as we stand with you and as we celebrate all that Jesus has done and is doing and will do in your life. But my prayer for each one of you is that as you come out of this weird looking thing in your spirit you would hear the voice of God say this is my kid and I'm really pleased I love you let's pray Father thank you that you love us more than any of us can comprehend or understand more than any of us deserve Thank you that your love is real and that it's true. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would allow that love to sink deeper into our hearts and into our minds. Lord, would you teach us to live from a place of acceptance? And set us free from the 
rat race of earning and striving what you've freely made available to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Just before I hand back over to Laura, I probably should say a couple of things about what we're going to do now. Um, in just a second, uh, Laura's going to introduce the um, 12 that are going to get baptized, and they're going to share a little bit about why they're doing that, and then we'll, um, we'll throw them all in the water, not together. And one of the things that's really important that we say all the time in this community, that baptism symbolizes new life, not mature life. Now, all those guys getting baptized are incredible Jesus followers and very mature, so I'm not trying to have a dig at them. Um, but the reality is sometimes we, we get this a little bit mixed up, that if you read the New Testament, what you see is the moment people surrender their lives to Jesus, they get baptized. Baptism is a declaration of surrender. And then we move into the wonderful journey of discipleship and mission and spiritual formation and maturity. But none of these guys, and I pretty confidently speak on behalf of them all, are standing up here tonight saying, I've got everything figured out and everything sorted. What they are saying is, I've met Jesus and I've surrendered everything in my life to him. And I'm going to follow him the rest of my life. That is simply what baptism is. It's a declaration of new life, not mature life. And then secondly, the reason why we do this this way is this tank becomes a metaphor for a kind of water grave. And in it, we're saying that we are being buried with Jesus and by his spirit raised to new life in his community. And one of the things I love about uh, full immersion baptism and how we do it is whenever, and those of you that come up, you'll see this, whenever they get plunged under the water, they literally get pulled out. I love the imagery of this, that the Christian life is impossible to do on our own, that as you go under, that in your new life, you get empowered by the Holy Spirit and the community that we get to do this with. And so that's what we're going to observe and do now.